was this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson, and I'm here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Parkin. Parkett, the rumour has it, today, one of the greatest battles has taken place. You've had Muhammad Ali <laughs> Joe Fraser. You've got Big Daddy against Giant A-Stacks. You've got the Cold War, Russia and America fighting it out. You've got Man against Machine. Talk us through the gargantuous battle between you and the new dishwasher. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it's been a struggle. It's been a tough day, let's say that. There's been plenty of expletives being shouted across the kitchen. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever tried to put, re, well, refit an integrated uh, dishwasher back into units. When it's raised up, it, it was an absolute, uh, it's been mayhem. It really has. <laughs> I've never known anything. I don't know how the guy did it in the first place. Mm. We had to take it out to, to fiddle about with stuff. We fixed it, put it back. It's it's taken basically all afternoon and about a couple of hours of the evening to get it in. And I'm not joking. That's how long it's took. I've lost my mind with it. <laughs> um, I didn't think it'd be that difficult. I thought we'd just lift it, slide it. It'll be fine. It'll be in. No. Goes in on different angles, doesn't it? It's not. Yeah. But... Uh, it's in, it's in and working. We're after, so we can move on now. And, yeah. uh, and hopefully, nothing else goes wrong. And you find when people sort of you get your new appliances and they deliver them, it's always a massive six foot eight monster just picks up with one hand and slides it in. If you if you get them to do it, you know what I mean. And then when you then you see that happen, you think it's easy. This we can do this. No. Uh, I mean, I had that with uh, the bathroom we had fitted uh, late last year. We'd ordered it all and it, it it came. The guy knocked on the door and he said, I've got your stuff in your bathroom. Where do you want me to put it? And I went, well, I don't know. Where do you normally put it? He said, I'll just, I'll just put it in. You can, you know, you can take it in and leave it in the street. He put this thing down in the street and it took up half the street. <laughs> uh, and he expected me to bring it all in the house on my own. And he just got back in his truck and drove off. And I was like, I, am I? What, I'm, I'm not fitting it. What's this? <laughs> it was just tons of stuff, and I thought, I, can't, I mean, I can't. You carrying a bath in? Yeah, you can do it, mm. but I mean, your doorway's only so wide, and the bath's as wide as the doorway. It was absolutely that was a nightmare and all. But they do. They just make it look so simple. Like, oh yeah, I'll be fine. Put it in. But yeah, no, we're all done. We're all done, and uh, hopefully, I don't have to do it again for some time. But. Uh, Saying that, the washing machine will go now, won't it? <laughs> yeah. And so basically, the headline news, dishwasher is in. That's all That's all that matters. That's the, that's the it, thing you're going to take from this podcast today. Yeah, it was, it, it definitely won. <laughs> the won. I've been busy. I've been updating our website and I've been getting ready for our big announcement, which hopefully is going to happen next week. I'm going to keep it under wraps for this week because there's lots to go at. But it's exciting. It's a first for the podcast, and hopefully everyone will be chuffed to bits. So I'll leave you all with that, dangling in front of you all, tempting you to listen to next week to find out what the big news is. <laughs> and we'll start uh, with the defeat against uh, Wigan on uh, Sunday. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your Big Match Review. So, so for the Devils were beaten at home, Wigan Warriors. They lost 26 points to six. Parker, talk us through it. Do you know, it's hard to hard to know where to start with, with, with Sunday. The whole euphoria about the day, I mean, it was, you know, a magnificent event, the whole thing. 
before, and I know we can talk about that later on, but and I got in the ground and there was a buzz and it felt good and I thought, we'll be well up for this. We'll be, you know, the, the guys will be fired up, especially after last week. They weren't, you know, weren't on it at all at, at Craven Park. And again, I just think we were a little bit flat again. I'm not saying it was a poor performance. I'm not saying we were bad. I just don't think we were anywhere near the levels we've set ourselves, which is obviously disappointing, but that's a sign of how far we've progressed. I mean, I thought Wigan controlled the game. I thought they were a better team. I'm not going to knock them. They got a couple of contentious scores off us, which when you look back and review them, you think that's a bit bit dodgy. But that happens in a game. You've got to rise above it, I think. But yeah, again, we just didn't seem to have that fire, that hunger in us. And, And I don't know if there was something gone on you know, whether there's an illness in the camp or something like that, because I saw quite a few players really blowing and gasping for air mm. and struggling to get back into the defensive line a lot of the time, which we've not done. We've not looked like that. And there were players who don't do that, not players who go, yeah, well, he has got that in him or something like that. It was it was strange to see. So I don't know if the lads have had a, you know, I don't know if there's a virus in the camp or something like that. And But it was just a shame that we, we didn't live up to the hype for the, for the crowd that turned up. It was a bit flat and I think I think it killed the vibe a little bit. But uh, no, I'm not, I, I'm disappointed in the result. And the, uh, you know, I know the performance wasn't to the levels, but you've got to remember who you're playing. They're a good team, Wigan. And they, I think they just dominated us a little bit too much. Yeah, I think we huffed and puffed a bit. I think no Ackers, no Brody Croft. No Ryan Briley, so that's a, like a, a third, two thirds of your spine not there. So we're, we're lacking a bit of creativity in a way. Mm. Tries just for and just after half time for Wigan changed the, the landscape of the game for me as well. But we did stay in it. I think it's the kind of game that we were looking 10 years ago. Wigan mm. put 50 on us and we all end up crying our beard after the game. So in a weird way, it's kind of progress that this team, even though they didn't look like endangering Wigan at all. They stuck in and grinded, but ultimately Wigan took the points. Yeah, I said I said this after the game. I spoke to Paul, Paul Whiteside and, and, and you know, obviously my brother and everyone around me. And I said that we've been beaten by 26 points to six to Wigan. And I spent, you know, the best part of 40 odd years wishing for results like that. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's always been a 40 and a 50 or something like that. I know we come up with big wins against Wigan. We always remember them more than we do other teams. But yeah, the, you know, I mean, Wigan are a decent side and, but we we contain what they tried to do, but we give them a little bit too much time in the kicking game. I think I thought we'd give Harry Smith far too much respect for him to put them bombs in the air, which were going. I mean, they were incredible. Like watching Jordan Abdul and some of his, he does for Rovers. And he put he puts under some real pressure. By the time we caught the ball, there's three or four men knocking us over. And we we as we know, we do struggle to go forward. I think we know we've had a problem in that department for a couple of years with big forwards. One player I will mention, I know we lost Ryan during the game, which is a massive shame. Like you've said there, you won six and nine missing. It's, it's going to be virtually impossible for any team to win games. A player that we're really missing is Shane Wright for me. He offers so much as a back rower. I think he's a, a tremendous player. I know we've got, obviously, Cal, who, who I thought was magnificent the other day, actually, and Stone, who's who's been great for us. But... Shane Wright just seems to offer us something more. He's, he's all over, you know, the, the game, and I think he, we, we miss him a lot more than we we thought we would. And it gives us we have a lack of depth on the bench. You know, I looked at our bench on on Sunday, and before the game, I thought that's it's not strong enough to be going into a top six battle. I don't think. And at the end of the season, you know, if we're in the playoffs, we've got to make sure we've got a fully fit squad because if we don't, 
that that's where we'll get tripped up. It's, it's how you interchange players and who you've got to bring on. And without those, you know, the three we mentioned in the chain, right, and Alex Gerrard, people like that, it's, it's a real struggle. We, we're so low on numbers. I know we do it tough most weeks, but we, we're going to need a fully fit team if we're going to make a, you know, if we're going to stay in this top six. Yeah, we're digging deep, but this is like a stress test of the whole squad, really. And that's an important thing going into a playoff situation that you got a whole squad who've been involved in that stress test and know how they can perform under pressure. So I'm not too concerned at the moment that we've got lack of bodies, but when mm. it comes to playoff time, and like you say, you're hoping for a, a fitter squad, uh, at least them players who've been in this sort of stress test will hopefully be able to rise to the occasion later on in the season, which is what we all want. So let's have a quick look back at the timeline, Parker, of the game. Joe Shorrocks opened the scoring for Wigan after a bit of pressure on our line. Kick through, he dived on the score 4 0. Mm. Yeah, again, we've had a bit of problem with that recently, haven't we? We look very, very soft in them areas. It's not it's not a great try to concede. Again, you give it you give it players who've got a decent kicking game too much space and time and and they'll kill you doing that. I don't know what the stat is, but how many tries in rugby league these days a score from kick rather than you know ball through the hand? It's it's a it's a part of the game we've really got to tighten up on, especially near our line. We 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 seem to just switch off, or I don't I don't know what it is defensively. I don't usually have a problem with us. I think we're you know especially on our line we can defend and defend sets, and we had to do it again on Sunday at times and come away with it. But it's those kicks we just seem to struggle with a little bit. Yeah, Salford hit back. Try from Ben Hellowell, lovely pass from Mark Sneed sends the forward over for his first try for Salford. Yeah, it was a, it was a good try, wasn't it? It was, it was well worked. Obviously, a move they, they looked at and, and planned. And I thought Ben was really good again on on Sunday. To be fair, he, he really puts a shift in. So it's good that he's got over the, the line and he's off the he's off the nudie run. I'm sure he's happy about that, especially the weather at the, at the Salford Stadium because it's it's freezing there most of the year. But yeah, again, it was it was good play. And, and the thing was. And I felt like this, I always do most weeks. If we get into the opposition's 20, I always think we're a threat. I always think we're going to score. Mm. We've got that much creativity and you know, and pace and everything about us, but we don't do it enough. And we certainly didn't on Sunday, but that just showed that little bit. And we thought, oh, we can break these. We're not going to do it from our own half. We'll get them on their line. And we just, again, we struggled to get metres and get into their half. And But that, on that occasion, it was it was well worked. Max need time the pass to, to perfection and, and Ben had a strolling. Yep. So we led 6-4. Approaching half-time, though, Wigan scored. Lovely ball by Harry Smith. He sent Jai Field through a gap. He fed Liam Farrell. He crashed over to make it 6-8 half-time. Yeah, it just shows realistically it was one missed tackle mm. and they've gone through and scored. And that's how crucial it is. That's how they're the, the fine lines we're working with, and especially at the top half of the table. I, I, I think I know who the player was, but I don't. I don't know enough confidently to to say it, so I won't blame anyone. But he seemed to just just bounce off a little bit and, and didn't make full contact, and it made it easy for for Wigan to go through. But fair play again, you know, it was good good try. They backed up well, and that's what Wigan do. The, the, the one thing that I will say about them is, as I said to everybody at the gate, they do everything right. They do everything perfectly. They may not be as glamorous as watching us at times or saying tellings or whatever, but they do things perfectly. You know, they'll defend perfectly, they'll, they'll attack, but they'll give away a te- technical penalty when they need to. You know, they, they just, they hold you down for that extra second, but don't get penalised because they, it's something they know how to wrestle you, they know how to make it like it's your fault. And that's full credit to Wigan, you know, if they're clever enough to do that. 
And and that's what you've got to be. You've got to be 100% right away through the game. One missed tackle and you score. Yep. Second half started brighter for Salford. Opportunity on the right. Ball went to ground. Ball went out of play. From that, Wigan went up the field. Mistake from Salford. Wigan from the scrum. We're over in the corner. 14-6 Wigan. And it's the game's just turned on its head. Yeah, it was a well-worked try. I mean, scrum moves now are, are far more important than, than they've been at any other time. There's a little bit of skullduggery at times in the scrum, the way the ball's held in and everything. But we we made the mistake of, of watching their players run, you know, run whichever way and we were darting about a little bit and the ball was still in the scrum. You know, we were I think we were triggered a little bit too quick. But we still should have tackled him. He should have been held. There was, you know, enough enough bodies there to stop that. And again another soft try that we didn't need to concede. They, they may have scored off that, you know, they had sort of six plays on our try line. There's every chance they could have done, but that it was it was well worked try, but soft on our part. But at that point, I thought that might be our wake up call. Now it might it might give us the kick, but again, we just didn't really we didn't ignite. No, Wigan scored again after Farrell's second try. Field and King combination sends him through a gap, and then the final try for Wigan interception. Marshall runs 90 metres. There was talk of a Dion Cross being obstructed in the air, which could have been a possible penalty. But I suppose in, in games, sometimes you get the rub of the green and sometimes you don't. And uh, Marshall raced away for the score. Yeah, that, well, that's one of the ones I'm talking about. That I mean, that is a if that's on Sky, that's, you know, with the screen in the ground, that's not a try. That's mm. a penalty Salford. We're on the attack. He definitely makes contact with the man in the air. He hasn't gone for the ball. He's pushed him. The player's gone down. The ball's come out. Wigan race away. The, the disappointing thing is, and he's easy to blame the referee, but the linesman was stood literally a yard away. He's on the touchline. He's looking at that play happen. He's the one that's got to intervene at that point. And that's where you start asking questions of, well, he, did, he couldn't have missed it. So has he just misread it or has he decided he's not giving that? Because he's got to help the referee a little bit. But so, yeah, I mean, Marshall's shown great pace. And everyone's gone on about this, this pacey show. I watched Joey Burgess come from the opposite side of the pitch and nearly catch him. So he turned around Burgess and had to run across the pitch and still nearly got him. So I'm not sure it was that rapid, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a penalty to us that. But it, you know, like you say, some you get, some you don't, and and that was one we didn't. Yeah, we're joined by Paul Whiteside. Keep fresh from keeping Britain warm. Which was the best cost of coffee you used this week on the M6? <laughs> How do you know about a cost? I think I had two, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I had one at uh, Portwood Tesco garage this morning. And then uh, I was working in Timpola and Hale Bounds this afternoon. So I went to the... Hosh uh, Coffee. Well, the little one at the airport, like where all the airport staff go to. Near, where is it now? It's near the tunnels, you know, that go under the runway. Hmm. I go in that one because I park up and then I can, you can hear the planes taking off. And I like to, when they go in a certain way, I like to watch them taking off. So I'm a bit of a geek like that. And I was coming down Simon's Way in Withenshaw this morning and a big jumbo flew right over me van. And I was, oh, I was in my element. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying to Ellen the other night, it's my dream job. My dream job is to what what job I'd love to do is you know the guys that guide the planes in. All right. When they, when they land, they've got like them table tennis rackets. They're not table tennis rackets, but you know what I mean, don't you? Yeah. I'd, I'd love I'd love to do that. You know, be like the ground staff. I, I, that'd be my dream job. I'd do yeah. that for free. 
Well, yeah. You'd be, you'd be doing a match report and just forget that it's still backing up the plane. <laughs> oh, no. There's so much magical about aeroplanes and airports. I, I love it. I just think it's dead exciting. Brilliant. Um, thoughts <laughs> on the Wigan defeat? Um, I thought Wigan were the, the, the far better side in that second half. I thought the first half was quite quite close really I don't think there was a lot in it we we look for me I thought it was very poor on last tackle plays we did predictable the kicking game was really predictable and I don't get this kicking out wide for wingers I mean the, the try that the Marshall scored I thought was a, a foul on Burgess I think he, I thought he got tackled off the ball sort of thing and then Marshall went away that's that's a penalty that but I thought we were, we were a bit soft in defence the, the one that that Miski scored I thought we should have done better with that Burgess I thought there was I thought he had a bit of an off day, to be honest with you. We had a bit of juggling about to do, didn't we? Briley going off and Croft missing and Acker's missing. So I think when your spine gets affected like that, it, it does does put you off your game, doesn't it? And we, you could tell we were we weren't much with the ball at all, were we? So I thought they worked hard, but I thought the pack got dominated again as well. So uh, yeah, not not a not a great day really, because I don't think we're gonna a brilliant side, but they they were they were better than us. Yeah. We spoke to Sam Stone, Joel Burgess and Paul Rowley after the game. This is what they had to say. Right, Sam Stone joins me. A, a tough afternoon for you. How, how physical was that against that Wigan team? Yeah, you know, it was, it was pretty physical, especially once the rain came down. You know, both teams kind of tightened it up a bit. And, you know, I was kind of played in the middle third a lot. And, yeah, very physical game. How do you feel, feel you went today in that game? I thought I, thought I just got stuck uh, tackling a lot, which was... You know, um, you know, we had a, a goal there to get French, and I don't think we did too great in the second half at that. So, um, yeah, just got stuck tackling that. We're going to that sort of side that just keep going and keep grinding you down, aren't they? And, uh, you know, it's difficult that sometimes to combat again, especially in those conditions as well. Yeah, yeah, I think we, we had some opportunities there and we, we failed to take them, and I think that was the difference between, you know, the, the two teams. We had an opportunity there early in the second half to, you know, stretch it out to probably 12 points to eight. and we threw it over the sideline and they went the other way and scored and made it 14-6 and you know, that, that was kind of the story of the game we were missing our opportunities and they were taking theirs got a few players missing as well you've got a tough game next week against Wakefield they're the side who's only won one in the season it's important you go to that game and, and, and focus on it and, and don't take them for granted at all isn't it yeah for sure you know those desperate teams are very dangerous and uh, I think in, in the past month they've been they've been playing not too bad but just not quite getting the results so uh, they're definitely not going to be easy and especially we only beat them close here last time it was a very physical game last time and they're definitely not an easy beat Enjoying your time at Salford so far this season? So far yeah mate it's been good uh, we've had a couple of good runs of string a few wins wins together in a row and let's see if we can do that again and keep climbing the ladder Thanks very much for taking the time to speak to us Sam Thanks, mate. All the best mate So I'm joined by uh, Joel Burgess to tweet today how'd you feel? Disappointed. We we tried hard. I mean, the effort was there, but just wasn't that. Um, Rolly Morales mentioned about that killer instinct. We just didn't have that today. A few errors from myself. What what we to them getting a try? But it was a good contest. I mean, what scores it in the end? Twenty six six. I don't think that really reflects itself there. I mean, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like that scoreline. It looks like a pumping almost, but it didn't, it didn't feel like that. But yeah, just disappointed. Yeah, obviously, different type of game. Had to stay in the arm wrestle. Like you said, I tried just for half time, try after half time. That was a difference for me. Obviously, like you said, 
Wigan are a good team and the good teams do that don't they score just for half time and that changes the whole team talk doesn't it yeah definitely uh, they, they found that killer instinct like I said just before half time that was and that was a big one um, because we was it, it was pretty even in, in the first half even though the stats probably didn't show like, it, it felt like pretty even but yeah disappointing just because losing last week you, you always want to get a win back to, yeah. to forget the week before but have to build on to it next week now yeah like you said defeat last week in the cup this week you've lost again but we've got enough good players in this team like yourself that can that can turn around definitely um, and we're still in a good good place in the league so we've got a big challenge in five days time we've got to look after ourselves now and, and like I said big challenge going over to Wakey because even though they've only had one win this season you don't want to get caught out at their place and, and it's easily done yeah like you said Wakefield next week finding a bit of form will be tough but obviously we've got some players there who were obviously hurting after the last couple of defeats. Yeah, I think um, we'll see a massive difference next week. You'd, uh, two losses on the chart is, is bad, so we don't want to make it a third, so we'll bounce back next week. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to us. And- Coach's Corner. Hi, 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 Paul Rowley joins me. Another... I thought it was a bit of a tough slog that today against Wigan. Whether it wasn't the best, was it? And they had to we changed the way you play. Lost a couple of players as well. Doing it tough at the moment. Yeah, yeah, doing it tough. But um, I thought it was good value at the half-time interval. I thought the uh, last players had a big bearing in field position and territory in that first half. Uh, but to go in at, at that score and be comfortable and, and not stressed, to be honest, um, you know, I was looking forward to the second half, but I thought Wigan really simplified the game, almost too simple. Uh, that offered us an opportunity to apply some pressure with our defence, which I don't think we took. Um, and, and as a result of that, Wigan have been in that situation many, many times. That's what you know. Your big games and your cup finals and all that are generally, you know, the 20, 30 minute period where it's it's kind of who blinks first and. Uh, and again, we're going to accustomed to being there, and um, you know the lessons that we we need to learn. Uh, obviously, accept that uh, we, we need to be better in them moments. But uh, as always, never a lack of effort and, and commitment. Um, just probably, yeah, just uh, you know, got a good team kind of doing what they do. I think there was one or two 50-50 calls that went against you today at crucial times in the game. You lost Ryan Briley as well. That's, that's a big miss, that boy. He doesn't have to shuffle things round. But I thought the players who came on did, did a good job, didn't he? Oh, Michael Stoll never let you down. Danny Addy comes on and does well. Must be pleased with, with that, you know, with those guys that came off the bench. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But you, again, if you look at if you look at their bench and look at our bench, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a difference there. Probably probably a few hundred grand's worth as well. But um, yeah, Matty lost sight of one where we got done on, on his edge on one. But other, overall, he, he does what Matty does. He's full of enthusiasm, uh, tough, carries well. So yeah, he, he's great. You know, as, as they all are. But, uh, and Kenny did great at fullback. So we've got no dramas with that. It's, it's like I said before. I just thought the rook. The rook speed uh, when we've got the ball and, uh, and 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 the opposite obviously when we're defending I, I just thought you know, it, was a, it was a very slow rook and, uh, and, and we need to manage that better. Did Ryan fail his HIA? I presume he did. He didn't come back on. He did, mate. Yeah. So that's two games now because of the short turnaround. So yeah, unfortunately. Can you give us any updates on Andy Ackers? I know he wasn't in the squad this week. Is he near it now because he's had you know, a bit of time off with his with his head injuries? Yeah, he, he's good as gold. He, he, you know he. He's, he's good as gold. He could have played uh, in, in our view uh, last week, but um, the specialists, you know, I think the phrase they're using that because of the current climate, which is never a good 
a good basis to make a, a decision on it. To me, I'm a black and white sort of guy, so uh, he's got his goal, but protocol uh, and, and whichever specialist, you know, they all say different things. There's no, there's no strict rule in the two, three, four, five, six weeks. Which is uh, I, I struggle when there's no logic. So uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of them things that I don't think will be good for this week. But uh, we will be trying anyway. Have you got any more concerns? I know we spoke a few weeks ago and we said about Alex Gerrard's biscuit knees being being a bit of a struggle after <laughs> yeah. that picture. How's Alex doing? Is he? He's, he's getting there. So uh, it's just it's just uh, he's yeah he's clearly got a lot of degenerative arthritic knees and God knows what. Could so. it be an operation that? Or is it something? No, it's just it's just uh, it's just the way it is. Is these are busted, but we'll, you know we'll uh, so we we try to nurse him back to the point where when we get him back he stays back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's not far off. Uh, I think this week probably come too soon. Wakefield away next Friday. Mm. Tough game going there. I don't think you can take them for granted. They seem to be making no. a bit of improvements. Don't him for the record. Salford have got a terrible <laughs> terrible away record at Wakefield. So that's gonna be another tough game. It's the turnarounds that kill us. I think everybody plays a, a short turnaround and, yeah. and they all kick up a song and dance but uh, you know unfortunately if we play games on a Sunday more often than not you get a short turnaround so um, we, yeah that that's my biggest uh, threat if you like we, we, we just got to We've just got to try and patch people up and, and, and find some energy from somewhere for, for Friday night thanks very much for speaking to us Paul Cheers. see you Wakefield mate thank you so Paul Rowley Paul obviously disappointed with the result yeah, he was disappointed. You could tell that, and it's difficult speaking to to players and and coaches after after a defeat because it's hard to it's hard to keep the, the positives going, isn't it? Sometimes, so we all know the same because you did all the players, didn't you? Yeah. It's hard to you don't get much out of them, really, do you? They, they're sort of very sombre, but I, th- I still think there's a lot going for us, Rob. We're approaching the business end of the season now, and we've not spoke about the Wakefield game. Well, that for me is a massive game. Doesn't matter who you're playing, two points or two points. It's a massive two points this week, and I think we've just got to approach that game with a, a fresh, sort of a fresh mind, and and just go and get that job done. And I think on the back of that, we've got players coming back then, hopefully. So you know, Paul's always in a positive mood, isn't he? And uh, he tries to keep it upbeat, but I think I think I was not lost, but we've had a disappointing two matches and. I think you just want to quell that now because I'm, I'm sure that's the first time we've lost two games in the bounce for a while. Like we, we've normally lost one and then bounced back, haven't we? So, uh, so yeah, it's, this this week's really important. Yeah, Joe Burgess was a broken man when I spoke to him, but obviously I just said, "Come on, chin up, Joe. We can we can do this." And he he sort of smiled at me and walked off. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, yeah. like I say, it shows it, it care the, the players care, don't they? That's why you know when they get beat like that, they, they're a bit upset, aren't they? So. Like I say, hopefully they'll uh, look at bouncing back against Wakefield. Looking at the, the stats uh, for this week, Parker, top tacklers, Callum Watkins, 37, King V, 28, Sam Stone, 20, 41, Oliver Partington, 38, Tyler Derpy, 31, Adam Sidlow, 32, Amy Borough, 40, and Ben Helliwell, 28. Yeah, a lot of defending, certainly in that second half, because we didn't get a lot of ball, did we? And when we did, we didn't do an awful lot with it. Yeah, he, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, Callum Watkins, I mentioned him earlier. I thought I thought Cal was everywhere again the other day. I thought he had a really good game. I mentioned Ben Alliwell, another player that I thought played well. But yeah, it's, it, it, it's sad because that just drains you. When you're already low on numbers, you don't want to be doing all that defending, do you? Mm. But, uh, but somebody's got to do it. You know, a couple of players there into the 40s this week. I mean, that's that's a tremendous effort. And uh, that'll, that, I mean, that'll wear you down and take the sting out of your attack a little bit. But 
the trouble for me this week is you know going on it was just the, the lack of bodies we just we just run out and we, we, we will struggle if that's the case yeah top meter makers Paul Kensey 169 Callum Watkins 92 Tim Laffey 124 Chris Atkin 122 King V66 and Tyler Erpre 77 yeah uh, the forwards there alarmingly aren't really in that list are they no. you know, King Gunnar and, and Tyler Dupree I mean didn't make many yards at all did they and that's my point before really I thought we got beat up in the forwards really and you need them, you know, Alexa Tyler and, and King Runyaiwa to, to stand up in them sort of games. Don't you? I, I don't know whether we did. We looked, they looked tired to me. We looked like we'd, we'd, we'd had a lot taken out of us. So they're going to get tested in the forwards at Wakefield. You know, they've got that for feet, a back and one or two others. And you can see what's going to happen there. They're going to come out all guns blazing, a bit like Ulke had in the cup. So uh, we need our pack to, to do better than what they did. I'd just like to mention Ken Seal. I thought he was. Tremendous against Wigan. I think Tim Lafay got the man of the match, which was, you know, you, you can't argue with that. I thought Tim Lafay was, was dangerous all game, but I thought Ken Seal, when adversity there, got shoved to full back and he's, he's an absolute natural, isn't he? You know, he was steady as anything, took all the eyeballs, defended really well, and probably just got himself the job. A full back this week at Wakefield with Ryan Briley being out, so I think Ken deserves a good mention. Just echoing what Parkey said, Ben Helliwell, I think, is an excellent player. If he was a you know, a bit taller, a bit heavier. He'd be some forward, but he runs his weight. He runs his weight every week. He's not the biggest, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, but he's got a terrific engine and I thought he put a real good shift in on Sunday. Yeah, looking at the average gains, Tim Lafay, eight, Chris Atkin, nine, Tyler Dupree, eight, Adam Sidlow, eight. The average of the team was seven. So... I don't know really. I suppose you can paint stats in different stat, different ways, can't you, Parky? But I always think with average games, it gives you an idea of in collision how far they're going. Yeah, he's taught, I mean, uh, uh, Paul's mentioned it a couple of times. In their forwards, they, they dominated us and, and they did in defence. Every time one of our lads got the ball, it was two or three on him and, they were, you know, we were, we were struggling to make meters and that, mm. we do that. But, like you say, you get, you know, you get a couple of players back in that pack, some bigger, you know, bigger bodies that we need. And, and it, that that can change, but as it is at the moment, and and was you know for most of the last year as well, we we do struggle going forward, and we need to find other ways of doing it. And that's again going back to what Paul said about the kicking game earlier on. If we can get our kicking game right and pin teams down in their half, make them struggle to come out, it gives us a better starting point. There's no point us starting on our try line because we we we'll struggle to make the halfway, and that's mm-hmm. not that's not going to be good enough. So it you know like I said at the start. I don't think it was a. I don't think we played badly. I just don't think we were, we were sparked enough. I don't think we were at our best, but we we were beaten by the better team, and that's that's what happens sometimes. Yeah, big thanks for your three word match reports and man of the matches. Mark, a gritty effort. Lafay, Miss TME on to next week. Watkins, Chairman Bob, Salford firing blanks. Co, Colin Wilson, no cutting edge. Co. Stuart Smart, better team one, Helly well. OSF, lack of penetration, CO. Tony Frame, lack of attack, Atkins. Dave H, Ackerscroft and Briley. They were obviously the key misses. Ryan, Mark Ryan, not good enough, CO. Anita kicking game, pants, CO. CNR, we beat ourselves, Lafay. I'm not sure whether we beat ourselves. I just think, Parker, I just think we're going are happy just to grind. And if, and if we aren't matching them, they just take the game away from you. Yeah, again, sorry, you know, to, to, to repeat what I've said, but 
Wigan are brilliant at what they do. They do everything a hundred percent. They don't. They're not flash. They're not. But they will grind you and grind you until you know they beat you. They will dominate a game. They won't be throwing the ball about through hands. They're not going to be. They're not a great watch. Let's say that. And that he's you know definitely nowhere near the greatest Wigan team any of us have ever seen. But they do things right. And they, any little mistake you make, that they, they'll pick up on that. And they don't make mistakes. How many times did they drop the ball? How many times did they miss tackles? How you know how many penalties? And if they do give penalties away, it's on their terms. That's the difference between that that kind of level that we need to be at every single week. But we're going to struggle if you don't get your full bodies out, and that's that's what happens. But yeah, I don't I don't really think perhaps we we, we beat ourselves. I just don't think we were in the game. Yeah. Paul Greenob, the big picture. Tim Lafay, Chris Worsley, Miss our spine. Ken Seal, Pete Grimshaw, grubber kick, please. Partington, David Stape, no ideas in attack. Watkins, Ryan Fisher, poor in attack. Mike Murphy, we go again. And Mike Farrell, ref was poor. Sneed, Paul. But yeah, I suppose frustration, like Parky said, we're going to out of play. And obviously in the grind, they win. Yeah, I, I don't think Wigan were like dead flamboyant and flashy. They, they played very much like an NRL team play, don't they? Not making many mistakes and, and dominating. You know, I mean, I, I saw their game against St. Helens a few weeks ago, and St. Helens absolutely smashed them. And, and they looked like it was men against boys in that sort of game. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Wigan are a shoe if it grand final or anything like that. I think they'd probably be up there. But I think when you talk about levels, there's, there's, there's probably a bit of a distance between them and Saints when Saints are on the game. But you know, yeah, they, they, they're tough. They're tough to beat. They've got that flair as well if they need it. I mean, I don't think they were that that clicking. I mean, Field and French, we kept them fairly quiet, didn't we? But I think the, the pack are tough. I thought that Brad O'Neill had a good game for him. He's a decent player. Uh, they've got some good forwards there, some big forwards as well, and they take it out here, don't they? So, you know, you look at the size of their, of their pack, some big lads in there. They lad, uh, the lad from... Uh, What's his name? He was a, I think he was, he's a local Salford lad. The carries had like Liam Byrne. I mean, I saw him coming out after the game for the change. He was absolutely massive, huge lad him, and that Shorrocks as well as a clever player. So they've got some good players, Wigan. They know they know mugs are they. So, but no, it's just a, the result was disappointing. But when you add in, you factor in the, the players we had missing. I think that's the role about Alex Gerrard. He's another big miss for us, you know, in the pack as well. So. You know, you are doing it tough with, with players missing, and you take your you, your hook. I think Andy Ackers is a big miss. Yeah. I know everybody was talking about Brody Croft, but I think Ackers is a, is a massive miss. You know, Amir Burrow's a, a young player, not very experienced, still learning his trade. Ackers is, you know, a seasoned England international, isn't he? And you miss him round the rook in his distribution as well. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's one of them. You've got to uh, got to move on from it. But you know, Wigan uh, and no mugs. No. Let's move on to the reserves, Parky. They were in action on Monday night. They played Wigan Reserves at the Salford City Stadium community pitch and went down 42 points to 12. Two tries from Nathan Connell was the highlight for Stuart Wilkinson's men. But we know once the Wigan are a, a top side, their players in their reserves are pushing for a Super League start. So for our lads to, to put that effort in, and give them a game, especially early on. I think we were in the lead in early on as well, which is a which is a good thing. But unfortunately, what he has won. Yeah, I sent our roving reporter down there. Well, my brother was down there watching it, <laughs> um, he, and he, he was giving me regular updates. And early on, we it sounded like we were, you know, we were in control. We scored two tries early. I'm probably shocked we're going a little bit. 
And then there was a, an incident in the game where I believe one of our wingers tackled a good player into touch. And it, it looks like the, the, the actual corner flag has gone into him, stabbed him, snapped oh. and actually stuck in him like a spear. Sure. So he's had to be shipped off to hospital. So I think it was like a, a 30, 40 minute delay or something. Wow. So the game, obviously, when things like that happen, they can change, you know, the whole mood of your team and everything else. And there was another incident later on. I think an ambulance was called, but I'm not sure what, what happened with that. I don't know if that was related to the game or something else at the, the stadium. I don't know. But, yeah, we got to, you know, a good start. And I, I said last week how tough it was going to be against Wigan. It always is at every single level. And they just, you know, they've got that many players. They just pick them up from anywhere, don't they? And I believe that the, the lad that played against Leeds the other week, I think it might have been in the Cup and had a great game uh, in December or something, I think he's yep. called. I think he scored a couple for Wigan. You know, when you've got back up like that, who, who made the debut at Headingley and, and, you know, compete with Super League forwards. And then, you know, our lads, are, they're not at that level yet. They're not, they're not that developed. It was going to be tough, but... Yeah, we stayed in the game. We kept having a go. Um, and it was just, you know, just one of them nights where you learn a little bit more from the defeat. You see how Wigan do things, how they, how their players, you know, how they interact. And, and hopefully we can pick something up from that and move forward. Yeah, junior December, he scored a hat-trick against Salford. But like you said, played against Leeds in the, in the Cup. You know, he's got a bright future by, by the sound of it. Paul? Obviously, like like Parky said, it's a learning experience for for the lads. Obviously, Stuart Wilkerson, his sort of plan and his brief is to build sort of rugby players and and you know good people as well. So he necessarily isn't looking at sort of the finished article at this point. No, no, it's still a work in progress, isn't it? You look at Wigan and it's been like a conveyor belt of, of players coming through their system for God since since I started watching rugby league. Anyway, you know they've got a fantastic junior set up there. You know the the schools around Wigan and their academy and everything. It's it's probably the best one, isn't it? I mean them and certainly Leeds. I'd I'd say Wigan's probably the best academy out of all of them and the best the best sort of route. So you're playing against their reserve team. These are lads that are banging on the door now and probably been in that side and in that environment for a number of years, haven't they? So, you know, it's different for us. We've not had a reserve team or, or this sort of pathway for very long, have we? So it does take time to bed into place. But from what I've read and, and saw, we didn't do too bad in that in that game. And like you said about the injuries, I did hear about that. I saw John Blackbird and mentioned it on one of the WhatsApp groups that someone had been impaled by a corner flag. And when I saw that, it just made me sort of cringe and wince because it's it doesn't sound nice at all. So hopefully the injured players are are, are all right and are, and are recovering well. Yeah, obviously thoughts are with them. Hopefully, like you say, they'll be fit and ready to to play rugby league again soon. Moving on to the PDRL team, Parker, they were in action in a festival in Manchester on Saturday. They played Castleford and Warrington on the same day. Battled hard, but went down to defeat. But it wasn't all about the winning. It's about the playing and enjoying and playing as a team. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's the key to this at the moment, isn't it? I mean, they, you know, they go into it every time. So, you know, the enthusiasm and... and and the belief that they can win, obviously, but it did sound like, you know, it was a lot of fun. I know I read a few comments on, on Twitter about, you know, it was well, the, the whole thing was well put together, you know, and all the teams, you know, give it a good go. And it's it was a, a great little sort of festival, if you like. 
And and that's what you know. That's what it's all about. It's sometimes you know it isn't about the winning. It is about taking part and having the having the opportunity to take part is is the main thing now. And uh, yeah, so it, it sounded like it, you know it was a great experience. Everyone had fun, and uh, you know the, these teams are, are developing the developing the sport and that that sort of avenue of the sport for our lads and, and ladies. You know they're they're, they're pioneers. Say again, sorry, Rob. Say, what your thoughts on that? Obviously, the progress that they've been making. Yeah, yes, yes. I just echoing what Parky said. Really, it's, it's great to see people being involved, and I know we read about it every week, don't we? And see the photographs of people enjoying themselves and playing rugby league, and like Parky said, it's not always about the winning. It's about enjoying yourself and uh, making these friendships and things, isn't it? And uh, keeping yourself busy. So you know, I think they're doing really, really well. Yeah, so that's all the action from this week's games. And now we'll see what's happening in the world of Sulphur Devils. So we'll start with the celebration, the big attendance on Sunday, the Armed Forces Appreciation Day. Record 7,854 spectators. Parker, Record of attendance, like I said, a huge reward for all the, the hard work that the club have put in and also the fans promoting the game. It was an amazing success. It was a brilliant, brilliant day. Even the inclement weather couldn't couldn't alter that. The, the whole thing before the game, we got down there as early as, as, as we could, really. Um, we took took our niece down with us to, you know, to, to sample it because we knew what was happening. She was on the fair and, you know... See the, the, the you know the soldiers and that kind of thing, but the whole thing that the, the music stage, I thought, I mean the musicians, I thought were brilliant. I thought the bands were superb. I felt like I was at Glastonbury for a bit uh, <laughs> on that weekend. Made sense. It was no, it was brilliant. The whole thing, the you know the the, the, ven, the vendors, you know the you had the ice cream vans, you had the, the, you know beer sales, hot dogs, you can get pizzas. You, that's what it's all about. That that's what you know. Me and Paul have said a thousand times that we're not. That's not. Us, we go for a game of rugby, but that's not going to do anybody any harm because that was brilliant. You know, I was impressed by it, and long may it continue. That's all we can keep that going because anyone who was there the other day would have been impressed. And if it's your first time, you're going to go. Do you know what? Despite the result, I enjoyed that day. Let's go again. You know, the, the, my wife came with me as well, and she's not been for a, you know for a while. She absolutely loved it. She's not so stop talking about what a great day it was for the last couple of days, what you know, what a, what a lot of fun it was. And everybody seemed to, to enjoy it. And I can't, you know, the, I think the club have just done a tremendous job. And if that's what the, you know, the, the, the money that was raised is going to help us to, to achieve, then brilliant. That's where it needs to be spent. Yeah. Extra two and a half thousand people. Paul, like Parky said, there's a level of ex- expectations, you know, that, when they come to the game, they expect that level of entertainment off the field. So it will be interesting to see what happens next. I expect it on the bloody field as well, Rob. I joking. Yeah, well, the next two games are against home games after the Wakefield game. We've got Lee, Lee and Leeds, haven't we? Yeah. Or the other way around, I think it is. So, 
you, you've got two good good games there where you can look for big crowds as well, you know, and, and put things on. And I believe there are things going to be happening, aren't there, at the, these matches? I'm not too sure there was. I saw Shirley Bradshaw put a list of things that were going on, you know, the, the games yeah. where what was being involved. You, you might better tell me. but got an air. Yeah, there's definitely events going on and things going on. I know there's, there's a lot of ex-players going to be coming to the St. Helens game. Uh, I've been helping Paul King and, and John Blackburn and uh, David Clegg with, out with that, trying to get all the players and that. So that should be good to watch this space for that one. But yeah, there's there's loads of good things in it, and I really enjoyed the day. It sent our imaging on the way home. It was it, it really was a good atmosphere. We were dead early getting down there, but the whole buzz of the place was, was was brilliant, and it was great because I was sat in the west stand and I turned round in the first half ah, before half time, and Gareth Agatey was sat behind me. And um, I said, I had a chat with him at halftime. I said, "Wow, I remember you playing, and you know, you're a bit of an hero, man, in 2003." Because obviously, Gareth's brother now, Kurt, is our assistant coach, and I had a good chat with him, and he was telling me what he was up to now, and and he was saying what a fantastic day, you know, he's a St. Helens lad, I think. So, you know, he was saying they're doing a great job. He'd not been back to Solver for years, and he was really impressed. And I think everybody was here in the crowd, weren't they? It was a, it was a great day, and that that gun thing that went off before the game, that. that <laughs> Oh god! I think it reset my heart. Beat that about three times because it just, uh, oh, it just went straight through. And it was great, and it was just such a shame that they couldn't have the um, the parachute people coming down because I know they they couldn't because of the, the weather and what have you. But no, it was really really exciting day. And just um, just going back to something I thought of the other week when we went to Hulkar in the cup. I was really impressed with what they were doing because they have this thing. I think we might have talked about it before behind the the sticks at the open end. They have what they call Craven Street, and it's, mm. it's it literally is all like food things and bits of stalls and bits and bobs. And then after the game, all that stays open and there's music on. And they even allow everybody onto the pitch as well, so mm. kids can just play on the pitch. The adults can have a walk on the pitch. I don't know whether they'll allow that Salford, but <laughs> that's what happens there. And I think it just adds to the day, because once the match finishes, the day's not finished. You can still enjoy it. You can have a drink and have a chat with your friends, talk about the match, you know, what's going on. And I think it just adds to the occasion and all that. Yeah. I just hope somebody somewhere was collecting all the new emails and new telephone numbers of these two and a half thousand people so we can spam them for the next game. Like you've said, Paul, there's different celebrations coming up to celebrate. And each game is Mental Health Awareness Day, the St. Anne Hospice Takeover Day, there's a 150-year party, there's Pride, there's Blue Light Celebration Day and Homelessness Day, Parker. So it's... It's great. Obviously, the club have got these sort of stacked up now and now they can plan for them. Yeah, and it's delivering what, what was promised. You know, this is what was said at, at that meeting a few weeks ago of, you know, or around that of what, what the club wants to do and how the club are going to promote, you know, the games that we've not been able to do before because they haven't had the right people in place to, to, to help promote the game. They haven't had the money to do it. And now it's you can see straight away the, the instant impact and we need people to turn up. We need those that were there the other day to turn up again. We won't have the same following that, that Wigan brought, you know, because, I mean, they turned out in, in big numbers as well. And, you know, fair play to them and thank, you know, thanks to them. I mean, Lee will, when they come down, they'll bring a load of Saints. Warrington have still got to come. So we, we will get big crowds for them. But we need the ones that we brought. The Salford fans mm. need to come back. But no, I mean, it was really well done on, on Sunday, I thought. The guys who organised it from the, from, from the Armed Forces side as well, I know, Roy and a few of the other the guys there that have put in a lot of a lot of work to make this happen to get everybody together. I mean that Paul mentioned that that cannon going off. I mean that 
I couldn't even, you know, my eyes are like, I couldn't even see. I didn't know it was there. <laughs> so when that went off, that was a shock. But yeah, you know, just seeing everybody there and it, it was, it, it made, it made the day better. It made the atmosphere better. And to see the ground like that, and you know, I mean, I, I was sitting at the front of the West Stand and I looked around and I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, the amount of bodies that were around. And then I looked at the South Stand and, and obviously the North Stand with the Wiganers in it. it. It looked brilliant. If you could have that every week, I mean, you know, that, that's, that's all we asked for. And, it may not be the best part of eight thousand every week, but if we get six and a half, seven, I mean that's that's massive, and that that must help the team as well. I know it didn't this week, but for whatever reason, but you get a crowd behind you on your side. It must, you know, it must help you. It must give you a big kick. So we need to we need to keep going at that, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season now. Yeah. It's going to be exciting, like I said. The, the things that that really impressed me, like you said, the fair was great, the live music was great. They, they, I think, need to stay. I don't know, obviously, the money situation and, you know, balancing the books and all that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see what happens next. The They had a, a veterans game on the on the, on the the mm-hmm. Astro turf, didn't they, as well, which was which was good. Obviously, you know, with games coming up, you could have <laughs> the ladies playing, you could have the reserves playing, you could have the PDRL or the Learn Disabilities team playing on the community pitch as well. The foundation are kind of, you know, experts in this kind of festival thing. So they've got... You know things that they can they can bring out like throwing balls through the holes and things like that. Mm. So it will be exciting to see what happens next, Paul. And and I say which ones have then stand out for you as ones to look forward to. What are the ones that are coming up? Yeah, I'd say the 150 year one. If there's, mm. the players are going to it, I think that'd be really special. Hopefully they can get them all on the pitch. I think it all rises the crowd, doesn't it? I mean, I, I'd like to see things like that. I mean. You know, perhaps next year have like a seventies day when we all dress in seventies clothes and celebrate the nineteen seventies. You know, the seventies team and maybe the eighties team. You know, get players who played in the eighties, players who played. You know, that sort of thing. You know, that's that's more the rugby league side of it, I suppose. And I'm just obsessed with that, really. But you know, I, th- I think there's all sorts of stuff you can do, isn't there? But I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be a great day. That you know, you're playing St Helens as well. But interesting, those other things that you mentioned. You know, the hospice people coming and the homeless day. I don't know what that entails but you know it's it's awareness isn't it and you know it doesn't matter who you are in the in the community if, if you're part of the community and you you Salford and you, and you want to come to the game the club should it should be for everybody you should open open arms to everybody so then that's what it's all about isn't it now and you know you might get the odd I mean I saw some negative stuff on 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 the over the weekend saying oh you already got that crowd because it was free tickets went out and stuff like that but you know what so what if that if that 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 happens? If we can get a big crowd in there every week and everyone's enjoying themselves, that's what it's all about to me. So, so I, I love it. I think it's brilliant. And yeah, let's hope we can get another big crowd against. I think it's is it Leeds. It's Leeds the next guy. I'm getting mixed up. Leeds and Lee. I think it's Leeds the next one, isn't it? So that's always a good game against them. So yeah, so let's hope it's another good weather day and we can make it into another festival of, of rugby league. You know, with loads going on. Yeah, like you say, the Pride Day, the 150 years celebration, both be wonderful party experiences, I think, for everyone to enjoy. Parker, the blue light will be just like the army, but as a domestic level. So lots of activities for the kids to get involved in there too. Yeah, well, obviously the blue light will be, you know, emergency services, won't it? You know, uh, ambulance and police and fire and so on. Yeah, I think what we've got to remember is that we are... The, the community club and we've got to represent everybody in the community and that's what we can do from now on now we've got the you know people involved that 
we don't just have to focus on the main, the big events. You know, the Armed Forces Day is a big thing nationally as well, you know, and, and, and certain other things. So maybe next year, like you say, we look at certain demographics of the city and, and try and encourage people to come along from, from that, you know, that background or, or whatever. And that's something we can go with. That's something now we've got this in place and we know how to do it and we do it well. Then we, we can run with that. It's a format that we can use and, and just keep going forward. But I am looking forward to the 150th celebration one. I think that'll be a, a good day for us all. And hopefully, like you say, we can get ex players down and that kind of thing and have a, a real sort of party. I mean, talking of ex players, I know we mentioned Gareth Agatsy. I saw Graham Allroyd, Kevin Fox was there, you know, so it's quite a few. I think I think Paul Fletcher was there as well. I'm not sure, but. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's it's good to see that these ex-players are still coming and we need to get them involved. That's another thing now that we need to encourage because other clubs do that better than us. So that's another avenue we can look at. But, no, overall, we can't complain. And, and so those people, I've read them, Paul, on Twitter and things from other clubs saying you only got this or, um, oh, it's, you know, oh, is that the best you can do and all that? Well, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. If 2,000 turn up, you're rubbish, you haven't got any fans. Nearly 8,000 turn up. You only got that many because I don't know why anyone else cares. I really don't. It's a rugby league thing. It, it doesn't seem to matter in football where Bournemouth ground only up to 10,000, but Old Trafford holds 75,000. But if play in the same league, it doesn't make any difference. You know, that's they can still beat you. It's what happens on the pitch for me. But, uh, no, very encouraging. And, and, you know, massive well done to everybody at the club who, who made that happen. Yeah, the three other days, Mental Health Day, St. Anne Hospice Day and Homelessness Day are probably the three biggest days when you look at the community and, and sort of highlighting them and, and sort of promoting what and access to. So for me, it's what we can do on them days to attract people in, if you know what I mean. And I, I made a little list of what, obviously spitballing, what ideas, obviously, about <laughs> budgets and all that might be thrown out of the water, but here's what I was thinking. I'll give you, lads, a couple of seconds to think about ideas. I'm going to go with, you could have like an escape room type effort where you could have three tables and you time your escape over three activities and the winners go on like a, a table and then at the end of the afternoon, whoever finishes top gets a prize or something like that. You could have Zorbing on the AstroTurf. You could have the red the ref cam. State of mind ref cam that's you know supposed to be very good. I think I'd open a lot of eyes for our supporters if he could wear the referee's camera and, and watch what the referee sees when making decisions. And the final one was like a big kind of um, boxing punch ball thing, which you punch and get a high score, and the high score wins a prize. I'm not the guy with a budget, I don't know, but I think I just think you need something there that's going to attract the people in Parker. Yeah, I'm not sure without thinking about it. I mean, you know, it's it's a difficult one because not everybody likes the same thing. You know, like I say, for, for me and, and certainly, you know, for, for Paul, it's a case of turning up, getting in the ground and watching the match. Everything else that goes on is, is great to have it on, but I don't really, you know, it, it, it doesn't influence us because we're already committed. It's what, what would bring in people from the outside. And I, I, I don't know. I don't really know what works in, in that way. I mean, the, the music thing I thought was brilliant. I thought yeah. the, the stage and all that was was fantastic. And the, the way it was all set up was was really good. I think having just having options on the day. I mean, the amount of times you turn up at, at the Salford Stadium, there's an hot dog van outside the ground and that's it. Mm. You know, and, and then you've you just got to go in. There's nothing else. There's no beer tent or anything. Or, you know, 
to have them options, I know it's not always easy if the weather's not great, but to, to have all that going on, you know, and the kids could go off to the fair and, and you know, there's so much to do and that's what you need. It just needs to be a lot of different things and a, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a can. I mean, it's great to keep it rugby league related, I think. That's, that's always a good thing, a way of promoting and educating people about rugby league. You know, I've seen it before where they have, uh, what they do at Magic, you know, and the, 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 the little that inflatable thing where you have to run the ball as hard as you can, but you're on a string and it pulls you back and all that. You could do all that, you know, like you said before about getting a ball, passing a ball through the through the hoops and all. They've got that kind of thing. So there's lots of options, but I think I think the main thing to do is no matter what we put on, he's got to get the message to the people. We've got to make sure that people know that this is happening, that it's going on, and. You know, it's not. We don't want it to be a bit twee and a little bit, you know, back to the eighties and silly like that. But we need it. To, we yeah, you need to sell it to to people. And I think I think you aim at certain certain areas each time, certain different areas for each each different game. And then hopefully you can bring as many as them back into you know into one big event. But uh, I don't know. That's why the, uh, these people are on the big books who make these decisions. But. Uh, I mean, there's plenty you can do, and I know, I know the, the club will be working on that, and I'll have some great ideas. Yeah, instead of the, instead of having an escape room, Paul, maybe you could bring a, a little boiler, and we could try and fix it in 60 seconds, and it, it blows up. Ooh, well, my last job on today took me nearly two and a half hours, so, so <laughs> they're not all easy when you've got a second of it, so like Meccano sets. But no, we're just talking, about, just talking about escape rooms. I mean, I've boxed at the AGA Bell a couple of times, and when they took us in to get changed and that they, I think it's the third floor they take you on well you try finding your way out of there with a boxing helmet on <laughs> you haven't got a clue where you're going it's all different rooms everywhere we had to get Reese Archer who come up getting us and taking us down and all that was, uh, in the lift because we didn't know where we were going he's like it's like a maze up there yeah. but, uh, but no like you said you've come up with some good ideas I think there's a lot of things that you can do but I think you know uh, the, the armed forces days has just set the ball rolling now, hasn't it? I think it's this has got to be an ongoing thing. I mean, you've got this this summer now they're running, you know, the business end of the season that's coming up, and I think it's something that you can, you when the close season comes, it's you, you can think about that over then for, for next season. And there's lots of things that, that can happen then. What what happens with the? I mean, you might not know Rob, but what what does homeless day entail? What what what's that? It's a good question because I don't know, but I'm yeah, sure I, when the time comes, the club will announce things that are happening that that's my only concern that obviously blue light army day you know activities for kids in there there's climbing frames noises there's big machines there's guns there's people wandering around in uniform it's just exciting 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 the the, the three we talked about are really big things in the community which need addressing and the club highlight it which is great but what what can be brought into that situation to bring the crowd in, and that and that's my only concern. I think what what will the club do to bring to say to the people of Salford, say come in, come to the ground, watch the game, and enjoy this festival. We've got a lot going on, including this, and that's the interesting thing to see. I see. I'm, I'm hoping that something big will happen to bring the people in. Yeah, I'm sure it will do, Rob. I'm sure it will do. We we'll trust the people who they put in place. I mean, I missed the podcast I think last week, and you were talking about the uh, 
the new people that have, have come and joined the board. I mean, I don't personally know all the people, but I was reading about them and reading about what they're up to and things like that. And that can only be good for the club that you've got, you know, extra extra hands in there and experts in different sort of fields. So, uh, so I think there's more people there now who are singing off the the right hymn sheet who are going to guide it the club. Not not the rugby side of the club, but I mean off the off the field with that all that sort of thing because that's just as important now, I suppose. You know, with uh, with the future of the sport. Yeah. So, other big things that are happening. Film night has been announced. Parker, 150 years celebrating the club. A film has been created. It's at the Salford, sorry, Keys Theatre Lowry on the 22nd of July. 7.30 start, £12 for a ticket. There's a Q&A for ex-players involved as well. Um, so, it sounds like it's going to be a great night. Yeah, very much so. I read about that. I got quite... Quite excited to be honest with you. It's a sad life, isn't it? I only get out once a week, and that's for the man. They just locked me in this room. Yeah, look, it'd be, that'll be brilliant. A really good. I'm interested to see what this this film is. When when it came out, I wasn't I wasn't really sure. It just said film night. I thought, well, you know, great expectations. What are we watching? I don't, you know, I'd go to cinema if I want. It's fine, although it's a bit expensive. No, brilliant, great idea. Let's you know. I, I want to see what the video is about, but be a good night to get you know everybody together. I've spoken to you know a few of the lads already, and we could try and make a night of it. Maybe and it's a good chance for us all to mingle, isn't it? We don't get a chance to do that very often as fans now, so that'd be that'd be good. It's a great idea. So I'll be I'll definitely be going. I must get my ticket actually, but uh, yeah, that should be good fun. Yeah, you love your history, Paul. Obviously, a film like this, you know, will be. Will be tingling you. Yeah, certainly. I remember um, they, they were filming some stuff at the Dog and Partridge and I was going to go down, but I'm always blooming busy and can't, so I couldn't get down to, to, to help out or to watch any of it. But I remember going to the, the Lowry a few years ago for the Willows Memories and that, that was a cracking night. It was a really cracking film. And, you know, a lot of ex-players down there, a lot of old players that were down there. I mean, Boris Richards was there and... Mick Hennigan was down there and one or two others and it was great just, just seeing them and you know seeing their faces and what it meant to them. So I'm sure this is gonna be gonna be one one step bigger, I think, this one from the sounds of it. So uh, and we've got the, the fantastic book that, that Graham Morris has done as well that's out and about. I'm hoping to get that looks a real real bit of treasure that I know Parky was was uh, was showing that on the on the internet the other day. He said it was a, a bit of rugby league porn, didn't you, Parky? So <laughs> Yeah, that, that sounds great to me. That that so yeah, there's, there's some good stuff going on. But yeah, I'm sure this film's going to be a belter. You know, maybe we can we can put as an air quote on one of the uh, the adverts in this podcast. So if you are interested, obviously you contact John Blackburn at SalfordCC.ac.uk and sort of organise your your purchase for your ticket there. Twelve quid, going to be a, a great night. We had a little chat on our on our WhatsApp this week, and I'm going to throw it out to our listeners as well. So I'm going to start with you, Parker. If you were going to make a film about Salford or rugby league in general, what would it be? It's a tough one, isn't it? I think initially I thought, well, I'd like one that starts at the start of my life right. um, to take me through the memories that I've, I've you know, because you forget so much, don't you? And someone mentions me, oh, I remember that, and. I think for me, literally growing up at the, at the Willows with my mum working there, you know, for 30 years, first 30 years of my life, you know, I was first in the change rooms at 
two months old, was, you know, she was washing the kits and I was playing on the grass at the pitch. And I'd love to be able to see all that or at least watch a film about that, about my, my town as a playground it was for me. I mean, I, I was I was spoiled in that way. But yeah, I think, I think you know, t- t- to go back through the memories and the players that I've seen and, and some of the matches and that kind of thing, I think it'd be, but that's only interesting to somebody like me. You know, I think, uh, it's, it's a tough one, really. I, I think, Obviously, the, the, the 150 years, I'd like to see a lot of footage of, you know, a film put out of, of Salford, of how we developed, how we got from, you know, from, from Cavendish Street to, to, you know, where we are. And that kind of a history, if you like, on, on film. It'd be interesting to see who plays who, you know. I don't, I don't know you get into play Kevin Ashcroft, but, <laughs> yeah, no, something like that. But I think overall, it'd be nice to have a film of, of rugby league done like, so, so many have not like up and under. I mean, I don't remember that from mm. from the nineties. I think Samantha Janus was in it, and people like that, or whatever her name is, and Neil Morrissey, and, and so on. It, I mean, it was a decent film. It was all a bit, you know, a bit a bit to it. I'd like to see a blockbuster made about some some superstar who, who you know who makes it, who comes from nothing, like yeah. like a lot of them have. You know, a lot of most rugby league players have come from nothing. You know, like an Adrian Morley type story or a Sam Burgess or something like that who's gone to Australia and, you know, the lifestyle. and You can make a whole thing of it, a bit of a biopic, if you like, of, of, of a player's life. But it's a tough one, really. I mean, rugby league's it's a very intriguing story of how we got from, from rugby union to, to where we are. The changes along the way, the changes in numbers of players, the amount of play, the, you know, the, the amount of tackles you have, where it's played, the trophies we used to play for. And then up to you know breaking away into Super League, and mm. it in itself is a drama. So uh, I think yeah, oh, a kind of history of, of rugby league, but in in blockbuster fashion. Yeah, you, 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 I'd written that written down bio drama about a fan through the years, and like you say, different memories through his life. Maybe keep coming back to modern day where he's looking through like a I suppose it would be a, a pen drive now of pictures. And I suppose the, the twist at the end could be something like you go into like if his funeral, it's not him or something like that. Just to keep, you know, to keep everyone guessing towards the end. But yeah, that, that's what I've written down. I also get the idea about, like you say, player coming from, from nothing to being the greatest player of all time, being local. So you've got, you've got two ideas that are written down there, which is great. Paul? Yeah. Send me a film. Um, yeah, well, just echoing what you guys said, I mean, I've been doing this book for about seven years now, and I don't get a lot of time to, to write because I'm always writing other bits and bobs, so every time I get a spare minute, I do do a bit, and I'm I'm progressing through it, and that's about my family following, well, it's about my dad, really, about him following him in, in the memories, and, and I'm trying to work out where to stop it, because you probably could make a film about that, to be honest, but... Um, I was going to stop at the million pound game because I started writing just before that. And then so much has happened since then. I'm just trying to find a, a place to, to finish it really. But, but no, that that's more, yeah, it's about it's a Salford supporter and, and about like the, the away trips and the journeys and, and your life that's built around it. Because I think when you're a supporter like you two are as well, and like everyone else who watches the club, you, you, you have a life away from rugby league as well, don't you? And that life away from rugby league, clashes with rugby league all the time doesn't you'll be going somewhere and you'll miss going to something because you're going to the match and it, all these little stories come together don't they so that's that's what my my sort of book's trying to do whether i'll get it ever get it finished i don't know but uh, but no i think 
just I was I've, I've watched a few. I don't watch a lot of stuff on the telly, but I watched a few football documentaries. I think I watched one about Nottingham Forest when Cluffy was a manager, and that that was really good. That was like a sort of heartwarming rags to riches sort of story. So you know something like that. I think there was one about Everton as well with Howard Kendall, and uh, that, uh, my missus watched the one about Arsenal. I think that was like a more modern day one, you know, behind the scenes sort of thing. I think Sheffield United did one with Neil Warnock about 10, 15 years ago, where they were in the change room and things like that. And, you know, that, something like that would probably be exciting, especially when Q Cash was there, sort of sacking Jesse Harris. And I think there's loads of stuff you could do with, with, with Rugby League. I think, you know, films and things like that. I think, yeah, it's, there's loads of great stories, isn't there? And especially Salford. We're like the, the, the most exciting club going some of the stuff that happens to yeah. us I mean we're going to say Ellen's boring compared to us what's happened to us in the last 10 or 15 years funny story the podcast group that I go to the Nick podcast group there's a lady there trying to get funding for a little sort of docu-film about when Rugby League broke away from Rugby Union and she she told me all about that and how far down the the line it is. So that's something to look for, look forward to. That might come out shortly. My other idea, the one that Parky didn't subconsciously nick, was our ladies' team a film about their journey from being created to created becoming a team, winning the championship, winning the winning the cup, being promoted to Super League, and then. I'm sure the film ends probably by winning a grand final, and then that'd be a that'd be a fantastic film like like Mighty Ducks. It'd be a it'd be a mint film that packet. Yeah, it could be. I mean, the thing is, the one thing about rugby league and it makes it a film itself is, uh, he's kind of died a little bit recently in the last few years, but it's never been short of characters. Hmm. You know what I mean? There's always somebody in every every team who's who's a villain or a hero or what you know whatever. It's always happened. I mean, I, I, do you remember the? Uh, the documentary they did about the, the the Lions tour a few years back, and yeah. you know, Great Britain going over to Australia for the first time in God knows how long and all that. And it's brilliant to see all that behind the scenes, see the training, see what goes on in the hotel, you know, and the interaction between players who don't play together, and and you see these characters come out that you didn't know existed, mm. you know. And it'd be interesting to see from a player's point of view. Man, I, I remember going, you know, through the eighties, being in, you know, being in and around the changing room, even on a training night. Some of the stories that I could tell you. Know, you know, you wouldn't be, you just wouldn't believe them, but the truth, you know, things like Ian Gormley turning up in a, in his car, I think it was a Porsche or something. He gets out and he's got this massive Rottweiler with him for training, which he decided to leave with me and my mate. Now, at that time, I'd never handled a dog. This dog was bigger than me and, and vicious. And he just, there you go, lad, just look after that. Went off training. You think, what? That wouldn't happen anywhere else in the world. No other sport would go with that. You know, it was crazy. One night where they were training and, and Tommy Graney, the assistant coach to, to to Kevin Ashcroft, he was on the shed roof fixing the roof while the training was going on. You know, just things like that. You think, what, what did that really happen? You know, it, it, absolutely crazy. And rugby league players are characters. Hmm. So no matter what film you made with them in it, male or female, I think you'd find... There'd be a few laughs and a few tears along the way. Yeah. So I'm going to chuck it out to our listeners now. Give us your ideas for general rugby league film or film about Salford rugby league. Tweet us, let us know, and we'll read the best ones out next week. Other bits of news. Lance Todd Trophy Dinner has been announced. It's taking place at the 235 Casino in Manchester. 
the James Martin restaurant on the 15th of August. Parker, uh, a fantastic occasion. Always great. Rugby league loyalty guaranteed. Yeah. Like I said, I've not been for many years. I used to go to every one at the Willows every year. It was always a great event. And then it, it's been moved about since, hasn't it? I think mean, been at Worsley Marriott and, and other places. Yeah, it is a great night and it is rugby league royalty. And I think the one thing that's always struck me is is the player who, who tends to win the, the Lance Todd doesn't always understand the history of it and what it's all about. And you get them there and they watch a video of it and they talk about it and you listen to what other people say. And, and what, what ex-players have said about winning the trophy, what it actually meant afterwards, they don't realise until the end of the career what they've done. One of, you know, only one person every year can win that trophy. You know, that's... It's an amazing thing. And then you see, and especially the overseas players, how it affects them, how it makes them feel. And hopefully one day it'll be one of our own who gets to pick it up in, in the great man's name. But uh, no, it is a good night. I'm sure it'll be another another fabulous event organised by John Blackburn and his team again and the Red Devils Association. And yeah, so, I, I, you know, if you, if you can get a ticket and go down because you will see, again, as I mentioned characters in the last bit, You'll see some characters there that night. Yeah. There's guest speaker, there's music, there's a comedian. Paul, it's great value, like I say, if, if you want to mingle with rugby league royalty. And I'm sure there'll be a, lots of takers up for these tickets. Yeah, there will be. I've been to a couple of them at the Marriott and they're brilliant. You know, you walk in and, you know, I'm having a drink before you go in for your meal and that. And you see him like past, past players. I mean, when I... One of the times I went, I think Brian Lockwood was sat with Malcolm Reilly, Ray Ashby was there, and you know, Count Andy Gregory, and these are like greats of the game, aren't they? And especially like Mal Reilly, I mean, sorry, but he was sat in front of me at Cassie the other week, and uh, like starstruck, really, you know, what a great player he was. And uh, even though he was a bit of a thorn in Salford's side in the past, but no, it's a great night, and uh, yeah, it, it, I'd like to go, hopefully, if I can save it. Bit of cash, a bit short of cash at the wall, but I'd love to go. I don't know where it is that place. Is it Manchester that that casino? Mm. It's in the town, I think, isn't it? Is it the bottom of? Uh, what is it? Is it Portland Street? Yeah, down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, I think it's down there, isn't it? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So hopefully, a bit of go because it is. It's a great night, and they always have a good comedian on as well, and and everybody normally enjoys it. So yeah, hopefully, I'll be able to go. So that's all the big news coming out of the club this week, and now we'll look forward to the games this weekend regarding Salford Devils. It's time for the Devil of the Details Pre-Match Preview. So we'll start with our ladies there in action against Featherstone Rovers on Sunday on the community pitch. 12 midday kickoff, Parker. It's going to be a good game, that. Yeah, it is. It is. I know we, we, we met, obviously, Fev, the sort of second team, didn't we, last year? And, and we, we put them to the sword quite a bit. So I'm sure they're, they're, you know, their more senior girls would be would be keen on a little bit of revenge. Yeah, it should be. I mean, I'm a little bit thinking about the women's game, how it seems to... We, we play a game and then we miss a week or two and then mm. we have a game and then... It needs. I said this a few weeks ago. It needs to be given more respect. We need to be having a game every week. I mean, it'd be marvellous, wouldn't it, if they could have played on Sunday in front of that, you know, that that, that gathering outside on on one of the uh, on the community pitch or something like that. I mean, what a boost that would have been for for the ladies' game 
to have that many people watching at once, you know. So it's it's a bit of a shame it's, it wasn't last week. But yeah, as I said to you off air earlier on, I, I, I'm going to try and get down on on Sunday up for the weather holds to see that because. Like I said, we just don't get to see enough of the ladies' team at the moment. And it's, it's a bit of a shame. They seem to, obviously, they have a good performance and then you don't play for a few weeks. It's not going to help them. But hopefully they've got a few bodies back that are nice and rested. And, and we can go on and, and pick up, you know, another two points. But that's, that's you know, it's going to be, it's going to be sort of desperately needed. But they need more games. They need more games and a constant flow. Yeah, impressive win against Bradford in the last outing. Paul away from home, last-minute winner from YPS, took the points back down the M62. We've played Featherstone previously this season in the Challenge Cup, but went down 22 points to eight tries from Vicky Kinney and Sage Bannister. Wasn't enough for the victory, but if you remember rightly, the second half we had no subs. We lost Sam Evans and Louise Feldon through injury and only had 13 players in the second half. So we were running with 13 and they had a full full team. So that was why in the second half they ran away with it. Well, yeah, and they weren't that far off that day, were they? So you'd say in, without all that adversity this weekend, you know, we could turn turn that result around and, and, and get the victory. So I'm sure it'll be another another cracking game. But yeah, like Paggy said, it has been a bit a bit rum this season, the way they've not played every, every weekend, but... But no, I'm sure they're chomping at a bit to get going this weekend and you know get another result, particularly after that good result they had the, the other week. Yeah, Chloe Billington is their star. She, she'll need to be watched for me. Salford a third, Featherstone a fourth. Featherstone lost to Lee last week, 19-18. So it's going to be a really good game, I think, Parky. Obviously, hopefully a lot of people get down there on Sunday, midday, and support the ladies. Yeah, definitely. A couple of points, on, I think... I noticed earlier on that it's Demi's, Demi Jones's birthday today, is it? Yep. So uh, we wish Demi a very happy birthday. Yeah, it should be a good game. I hope people do turn up. I saw a picture last night of the, the reserves. The people who turned up there and it looked like there was a, you know, a decent little following. So it'd be nice if, if we could have that and encourage the, the ladies along. Just while we're on that, I just want to mention that uh, in my own personal world, that mm. uh, my good lady has uh, decided to go back playing some 20 years after... Stop him. She went down to uh, Folly Lane the other night for the Masters with the ladies' Masters team. She was invited down by an old friendly and McKinnon, who, who many know, and she absolutely loved it. She scored a couple of tries, and now she's been asked to play this weekend. Not sure if she's going to yet, but uh, it's cost us a new pair of boots and all that. <laughs> but uh, no, just just to say, I mean, she went down and said how good it was. This, you know, the Masters rugby, and I know that the club promotes it for. You know, for for everybody down at Eccles College, and she had that much fun. It's got me really got me chomping at the bit again. Mm. I'm just not in that state of fitness at the moment. But yeah, just just to say that that's you know that's on down at, at Bolly Lane. They do the ladies one, and it, I just thought it was worth mentioning whilst whilst we're on the ladies game. You know that, that if you don't really want to play, you know, full contact, you've got that option, and it's there. And, it's, and she said I mean, it's a great way of staying fit. And uh, you know, it's pretty quick and. Uh, but yeah, so uh, she's rolling back the years. Yeah, Chris Bates has run off now, grabbed a pen, paused <laughs> it. Emma Parkin. Yeah. There you go, Chris. <laughs> In them, them days might have gone, just, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, get yourselves down to the ladies' game on Sunday and cheer them on to a win. 
So let's move on to Paul Brownlee's men there in action against Wakefield on Friday night. Away from home, Paul will be a tough, tough game. Obviously, Spine is missing. No Briley, with no Ackers. We don't know about Croft. Obviously, missed the game against Wigan, but obviously, it's a tough task now. It's a tough place to go, Robert. I mean, our record there in Super League is awful. We've won four out of 23, something like that. So, we've only won there once, I think, since Sean McRae left. So, that's how bad our record is there. So, you know, last season, I think we were beaten there uh, in a game we probably should have won. They always seem to be close games, don't they, against Wakefield. So, I think they're going to raise their game. They've brought a few players in. Luke Gale made his debut, didn't he, against Ulkar last week? And they weren't, they didn't, they weren't a million miles off in that game, but they've had a poor season, haven't they? I think five games they've been nilled in, six games they've scored less than 10 points. So they're finding scoring points hard. They brought David Fafita back. They're going to be fired up, aren't they? Let's have it right. They had a good win against Leeds a few weeks ago, and I think they're going to come out and throw the kitchen sink at Solver. There's no doubt about that. So you've got to, you've got to calm that storm early doors, haven't you? Shut the crowd down and then. You know, take it away a bit like we did at play like we did at Castleford. That's where we've got to play quick tempo, and we can score points, can't we? So, if you was a Wakefield supporter, you'd be more worried about what Salford bring to the table. I would have thought so. We can't underestimate them. There's no doubt about that. But it's another two points. It's a massive two points. And I always, it's an old adage: you get the same two points you get for beating Saints as you get for beating Wakefield. So it doesn't matter who you're playing. The important thing is you go there and do a professional job, get the job done, and and get the two points. Yeah. Paul Rowley, Parky always puts a lot of responsibility on his spine. Obviously, new players having to sort of get into that role now. Does that make us more dangerous going to Wakefield? Because Wakefield won't know what's coming. I'm not sure. I think I, I, I do. I do worry a little bit about this game. Wakefield be definitely looking at this as a as a must win for them. In terms of they'll look at us, we're wounded a little bit with the two defeats on the bounce, which Paul mentioned earlier hasn't happened very often. We are down on troops, we've got major players missing. Braley, mm. Braley, Croft and Ackers you know, are three key players. I mentioned before about about Shane Wright, you know, it missing we they'll they'll have tar- they'll target this game and they've got a bit of confidence. The club got a lift when Fafita came back. You know, that's that's a big lift for them. The crowd will be well up for it. And, and we're going to have to we're going to have to move players around, and it's not just those positions that are affected, is it? It's not just the fact that you haven't got the fullback that you want. It's the fact that the winger will have to your main winger will have to come off the wing probably to play fullback. Then you're bringing somebody else on the wing who may not have the same connection with the guy inside. And I know you know you're probably going to bring in Reese Williams, who's fully capable of doing whatever. If you go with Ken Seal fullback, I don't really know what other options we've got. I mean, Cross can play fullback, but. Then you're moving centres and, I don't know, I mean, what do you do? You move Watkins to second row, bring Longstaff back. I don't know. I, I, I really don't. The standoff role is, is is an issue. I thought Chris Atkin played really well and tried his heart out, as he does every single week uh, on Sunday. But that connection that, that Croft and Sneed have is, is, is key to what we do. And having not having Andy Akers at Ucker and then not being able to put Chris Atkin in that role... He's a massive, massive blow for us. Mm. The speed of the play the ball I thought was too slow the other day. Far too many times the pass was too high or too low. So it's, a, it's going to be a big challenge. And, and I don't know Paul Rowling won't be making excuses. He won't be saying, oh, we've got players missing this, that and the other. He'll, he'll put faith and trust in all the players that he's got. They'll go out there and 
But like Paul said, it's a tough place to go. It's a Friday night. And they don't. I don't know why Wakey are playing on Friday. I think they usually play Sundays. Are they just trying to do this to, to make it a bit more intimidating? Or what? I don't know. I don't know why they chose us to play on a Friday. I mean, it's not going to help the crowd in any way. But yeah, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be tricky. But if, if you know, if we, we're serious about being the big boy and you know, being in the top six, you go away to the bottom of the league and you win. Mm. And like Paul said, it doesn't matter who you play it. You go with the same attitude and you go and win. If we lose on Friday and we lose, you know, it makes it three in a row, and then you've got Leeds and Lee or whatever coming up and, and all these other, you don't want your confidence taking a knock. So we need to get back on, on that horse now. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a big test. But if we can come through this with two points, I think it'll set us up for, for the rest of the year. Big question, Paul, is do you weaken a strength in our team, which is Chris Atkin? and Amir Burra interchange to speed the ruck up. Do you move Atkin to standoff and have to bring in another hooking replacement, like, say, Danny Addy, for example? Does that Do you do, you do that, or do you keep Atkin and Amir Burra in the the mix as it's a strength in our, the way we play? How do you mean? Because Atkin plays standoff against Wigan, doesn't he? Yeah, but what I'm saying is, do you do you move it? Do you keep him as an interchange hooker, like as he right. starts up and Amiborough comes on, and right. you find someone else to play standoff, or do you put Chris Atkin at standoff? Uh, I'm not. I think you probably have to go with Atkin at standoff for me. I mean, who else would you play there? I mean, you could play, you could try Longstaff there, couldn't you? He's pretty pacey, but it's a it's a tough place to go to to chuck him in there. So you probably have to go with a safe option of, of, of Atkin. I can't think of anybody else who, who could play the standoff role for us, really. I mean, you've got Danny Addy who's played bits at half-back, but you're going to need a bit more, I think, to, to win this game. Uh, I think I'd go I'd go with that. I'd, I'd have to go with Atkin and, and, and Sneed, really, to be honest with you. I mean, it's a big game for Sneed. I mean, when Sneed doesn't play well, we normally get beat, don't we? So we need Sneed to be on it. We need to be on it with his kicking game as well. But, yeah, just going back to the hooker role, You've got Amir Borough there, haven't you? Uh, who else could you have in there? I'm thinking, I'll tell you what my thought process Go was. on then. You put Partington at standoff, you put Atkin at hooker, and then you have Addy at loose forward. You have Amir Borough on the bench. So if it doesn't work, you can still move Atkin back to, to standoff, and then you've still got Addy to be able to sort of mix between the two. Yeah, I suppose so. It's to be fair, Partington... Probably the biggest standoff we'd ever have, mind. But like, but let's say it worked like Andy Farrell. He was a big second row forward. He played uh, hooker for. He played standoff for Wigan for a while. Yeah, you've also got Ben Helliwell as well, who's played at standoff before. Yeah, and and he's a cracking ball ball handler. He's he's, he's pretty quick as well. So, but is it? I don't know. Are you experimenting a bit much there? I don't know. It's it's a tough it's a tough ground this to go to. So you, you need to be on your metal. So he's got a lot of tough choices to make there. And is Brody Croft going to be back though? Will mm. Brody Croft be back? We we don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Brody Croft came back. You know, Paul Rowley might be playing a bit of mind games there. You know, I think he broke his his finger, anti or something. So you might better strap that up and get him in the team. We don't know, but uh, be interesting to see the squad when the squad comes out on Wednesday. Won't it be Wednesday? Well, tomorrow is, we're recording this Tuesday night. It'll be Wednesday when it comes out. So see if Brody's in it or not. Park your thoughts on my Renegade lineup. Well, I've got I've just I've got one of my own, and it's absolutely crazy. And I, I, I don't I can't believe I'm going to say it. I need my medication. We've got we we appear to have 
quite a few back rows. I mean, we okay. mentioned Ellis Longstaff, who's not even getting in the squad at the moment, which I don't know why we're bothering bringing him on loan if you're never going to play him, but that's a different matter. We do have Danny Addy who can play in the back row. We've got plenty of players in the back row. Callum Watkins is a brilliant rugby league player. Callum Watkins not move. To stand off. He played centre. He's a world, He's an international centre. Surely you could shift. I mean, even, and this is even crazier, even Tim Laffey, whose offload is unbelievable, could he not move inside? Could he not play standoff? You know, these centres are skillful players. The ball handlers, that's what they're supposed to do. That's, you know, in the old days, that's, that's why Peter Williams, when, you know, going back a number of years, was a brilliant centre, but also an excellent standoff because he was a rugby player, you know, and he, 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 you know, his ball handling was brilliant. Crazy ideas, but I'm thinking, if we're going that way, mm. but then you don't, for me, you don't change it. Atkin has to stay. Let's not forget, Chris Atkin is a halfback. Yeah. As much as he's played absolutely everywhere for us, he's a halfback. That's what he does. So, him and Snead are the obvious choice. It's just that hooking role that seems a, a, an issue. I know Addy can play there, but he's he's not a hooker. He's not quick enough. He's not, he hasn't got that, that ball handling, you know, I, I don't know. And I know Amir Burrow was a bit knackered the other day, but the amount of times he wasn't acting half when he should have been was, was alarming for me. Mm. So, yeah, and there's a number of things you can do, but you don't, you can't, I don't think you can do it. Partington at lose, no, I, I, I stand off, I don't see. I just don't think he's got the pace for that that role. And if you move in from loose forward, you are moving players about again to solve one or two problems you're creating more. I think that's that's the, the overall thing. Then we leave it as it is, go with what we had, probably bring Almond back in though for a bit more size off the bench. And the question is that if Kenny Seo is going on the wing, if that's going to be what we do, we're going to play Williams. Does Costello then drop out? Or do we bring Costello in the centre and play cross at full-back? Or, there, there, we have got options in that way, but uh, I'm glad I'm not the one I'm going to make this decision. Yeah, big big decisions for Paul Rowlett. Paul, for me, our record at Wakefield isn't great. It's a real stress test for the squad. Obviously... Like we, me and Parker spoke before when we were talking about the Wigan game, it's it's moments like this where you where you you see where you are as as mm. a, as, a, as a squad, and you know this game against Wakefield with all the the injuries, it's going to be a big test, and I, I'm I'm just hoping, like you say, that the players can pick themselves up, and like Parky said, I think probably 20 minutes ago, put in that professional performance and get the win. Yeah, I think what you've got not got to do is, is write write yourselves off. I mm. mean, it's that whinging on about injuries because I, I've seen on Twitter and Facebook already supporters moaning on writing this game off. I mean, come on, you're playing Wakefield. They've won one game out of 16. You talk about Salford here getting the grand final and getting playoffs and all that. We're going there and trouncing Wakefield. So let's have a bit of confidence in our own ability. Don't beat ourselves before we go out. We haven't got 10 players out injured. We've, yeah, we've got some of the important players out injured, but those players in our squad good enough to go there and get a result so I think sometimes you can talk yourself out of it can't you and say oh god it's Wakefield it's not Wakefield with blooming uh, Neil Fox in this team, is it <laughs> you know playing in David Toppers and people like that you know this is Wakefield of, you know David Favita I mean yeah it's alright isn't it but we've got players that are just as good as them so we've, we've got to be confident to go there and get a result they, they've been come on they've been garbage this season and, and there's no disrespect to them, but I'd be bitterly disappointed if we can't go there and win. It'll be tough. It'll be a tough game, and we've got to respect them. But I think if we can, we can perform and, and defend defend well. I think we've got to defend well and keep them out. 
then we can we can score off the back of that. I think the cast game for me the other week, they're a similar side to Wakefield, aren't they? And we won there pretty comfortably. Mm-hmm. Wakefield are going to be desperate now because if you look at the league table, there's six points adrift of Castleford now. So they've got to win four games more than Cass to get above them. And they've only won one out of 16. So they're, they're, that relegation door is is sort of open for them now. When they, they need to win. If they lose to us, they're running out of matches really, aren't they? So... Uh, so, so yeah, I, I'm I'm confident we'll we'll get a result. Maybe us fans park need a pep talk from from Paul. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure Paul always got his own way of of motivating the team and Kurt and everybody else at the club. So, but yeah, we they they could do with it. I think they just need. Uh, I think just need a restart a little bit at the moment and a bit of luck. Uh, the last couple of weeks we looked a bit flat, and obviously injuries don't help that, but. We we've just got to come out and say you know this is this is the one we we, we can we win this game we've got you know two two games coming up home games big big games if you want to run of winning three games we could basically try and secure our our top six you know place now this could be the, the crucial part of that of the year we don't want to go on a, another loss we don't want to lose two league games back to back so yeah it's it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting game they'll be well up for it but we've just got to stay patient and, and stay in the, the arm wrestle like we have done most games this year and hopefully we can you know we can come out on top yeah prediction time Paul I'm going to predict that Parky's uh, dishwasher works to start with <laughs> and uh, what's your prediction for the game on Friday night just for the prediction I'm just going to say about other players you know in our squad yeah go we, on. Were saying, we were just saying there about, about Longstaff I mean we've got Andrew Dixon there who's not seemed to doesn't play, does he? What what's happened to James Green? Well, we need to find out about him, don't we? He's like the forgotten man at Salford, isn't he? I don't know if he's been out on loan again since. Because, but he's a big man, Rob. He's he's a massive bloke, and talking about big forwards and that. You know, when he, when he plays, he's, he's usually decent, but he just seems to be injured all the time, doesn't he? So, yeah. uh, so I think we'll have to ask Paul Rowley about that. But yeah, prediction for for Wakefield. I mean. They've not scored many points this season, have they? So, I don't know if they're going to go with their half They've got Lionel and the um, Gale as well there now, haven't they? So, you can see them causing a few problems, but I think we should be able to keep them under. Keep them under 16 points and we'll win the game, I think. So, I'm going to go Wakefield 12, Salford 29. 29-12, Parker, what's your thoughts on that? I'll just wrote mine down and we're not far off, me and Paul. <laughs> uh, strangely enough, great minds and all that, or, or idiots, I don't know. Every um, week, yeah. um, I've gone with Wakey 14, Salford 24. I think I think like what Paul says there about Wakey not scoring points, they came to our place and, and got a few, but they, they do struggle to score. We've not been sort of scoring as we have, you know, as freely as we have previously, so... Can't imagine it'd be too many points, but hopefully we've just got enough to get past them. So to keep it all uh, nervous, nerves between all three of us competing, I'm going to go Wakefield 16, Salford 32. Hartington with two tries from standoff. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so hopefully, like you say, it's a, it's a big game and it's a, it's a stress test for me on, 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 the, on the team and where they are. Uh, and I'm just hopefully, like I say, you know, these injuries have, have come and, you know, like you said, Paul, when we went to cast the professional performance there, you know, went through gears, did enough for the win. And hopefully that'll happen again. 
Yeah, yeah, I hope so, Robert. Like you say, there's there's other teams who are worse off than us at the moment. You look at the, the league, don't you, and the results, and there's some really strange scores, isn't there? I mean, I've been lucky enough to, to watch a few of the games the last few weeks. I saw Huddersfield and Leeds, saw them get battered, and then Leeds are a funny team, aren't they? They, they? There's not a lot in it this season. The teams are big. It's so exciting, the league. I mean, was following Lee's game against Catalan on, on, on Twitter at the weekend and what a performance they put in. So, yeah, like Pag said, if we can get a couple of wins here now, you you could cement your place in that, that top six. I mean, people keep saying to me, a few lads at work were saying, oh, St. Helens will be the team again to beat. They'll, win, they'll get to that grand final. I keep thinking, well, they've got to get in the playoffs first because they're not, they're not guaranteed in that top six, are they? Because they're sort of hovering on the brink of it. So, it's going to be really, really exciting towards the end of the season now and, yeah, I think it'd be a massive confidence boost to, to get that two points against Wakefield. It just books the trend, doesn't it? Two defeats, and then you start getting a few bodies back yeah. as well. Um, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, so that's the end of this week's podcast. Parking, other great shows. I want to say big thanks to all our listeners who have donated via the Kofi, you know, helping us with the funding the programmes and uh, producing the, the podcast that you enjoy the most. Yeah, very much. So before we go, actually, just want to say about one of our listeners who who obviously prompted us, as I mentioned earlier, and Paul's mentioned him to 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 write a wrong from last week where we were talking about the the, the hundred fifty years book, and <laughs> it's obviously by Graham Morris, and and the first one back in in nineteen ninety, whatever it was by Daryl Platt. But Graham's worked very very hard, very tirelessly, so he don't want his work going elsewhere. Let's be honest. And I want to thank uh, Louise Woodward Styles for for pointing that out and, and wish her well. I know she's just uh, undergone some surgery, I think. So uh, she she designed the cover for the whole book as well, the cover front and back, which looks excellent. So uh, yeah, I just want to wish her well. And yeah, and obviously Graham, you're 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 the man. We know that. And uh, yeah, so but to all the listeners, I say it every week. I can't thank you enough. You let me. You let us do this that we do. For us, it's you know, it's a privilege to be able to talk about it, and and you know, have a voice where you know a lot of people don't. But maybe one day we'll we'll, we'll look to we'll look to change that a little bit, and and you get your points over. But yeah, no, brilliant. Thank you for everything you do for us. Yeah, another great show, Paul. Yeah, yeah, enjoying it. Like, sorry, it's a bit late getting on, but my missus went out tonight, so I to sort my kids out and take my dog out and what have you. And he's <laughs> always busy and getting home from work late, so but no, enjoyed it. Like Parky said. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting that Graham Morris book. I mean, big shout out to Graham because I've got about a dozen of his, well, about half a dozen of his books that he's done over the years, and I've met him a couple of times. He's a lovely fella, so uh, very, very knowledgeable about rugby league. And Louise Woodward style as well. You know, she does a lot of good stuff. Big supporter, and yeah, and the rest of the people who listen to us, you know, thanks for all your time and dedication, and you know, donating the money for the. Uh, is it Kofi, Rob? Kofi, that's the one. Kofi, yeah, that's it, yeah. So, yeah, enjoyed it, Rob. Yeah. So, big thanks to this week's uh, Devil in the Detail podcast. Abra Parkinson fans on Facebook, Devil in the Detail SRD. Fans on Twitter at DITD SRD. And he fans on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify, and YouTube. Good luck, Reds. See you soon.